music. It's not just part of our daily lives, it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in, Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Kids, do you like professional wrestling? We're going to test ourselves this week. <laughs> we kind of like professional wrestling, too. This is Shake Them Rubs. I am Jeff Hawkins. He is Chris Novembrino. This is President's Day weekend. Chris, who's your favorite president? My favorite president? If we are talking in just in terms of facial hair, no particular oh. reason why I might start there. It's obviously Chester A. Arthur. Uh, the man just had the, the best mutton chops mustache combo of any president in my opinion uh many presidents didn't even try after chet arthur perfected the art form there was a run of presidents in like the late 19th century who were all like facial hair aficionados you know you had uh, benjamin harrison and uh and uh and grover cleveland and 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 then at some point american politics decided that clean shaven was the way to go you know you have Coolidge and Herbert Hoover, FDR, not a mustache to be found on any of these men. Who's the last uh, person I, to have facial hair? Now that I think about it, probably Taft, because Wilson, Wilson, it, Wilson, and Coolidge work a bipartisan conspiracy against mustaches. Well, Wilson probably <laughs> had some other ideas of what facial hair meant. It's probably something for the plebes or something like that. It, it, you know, like right. Wilson. So, so yeah, no, yeah, between, yeah. And, and, and Coolidge would also have been kind of like maybe facial hair is, you know, is plebeian. He's a little more waspy patriciany. I like, this is the thing to think about when it comes to presidents. Is Where it? are the mustaches? Yeah, it is. <laughs> it, okay. Like a lot of people, here's the thing. A lot of people aren't excited about this upcoming election, right? Uh, But I want you to just consider the two candidates real quickly. However you feel about them, imagine they had mustaches all of a sudden. Right, yeah, right. I know, I know. No, 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 no. no. They're both more fun. I imagine that they have whimsical mustaches. One would have a giant handlebar. Yeah. The other wouldn't know how the other one grew (laughs) Uh, maybe a comb over on one of these mustaches. Oh. I mean, there's any there's any number of exciting options to spice up this election with facial hair. Um, I'll say this. Now to I, answer oh, to answer your original question here, who who is probably my favorite president of all of the presidents? I I gotta tell you, and I know you're gonna rag me for this. I got a real soft spot for Jimmy Carter. I think like he's just a good dude. Um, of, of all the presidents in terms of biography and stuff, 
who actually speak to like a decent human being, um, even though he was a mid, 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 mid ass president. Um, like Carter, I, I think it's going to be sad when he finally goes because he did so much as like a humanitarian and that sort of thing in a way that other presidents kind of like the grandstand on, they'll do a charity or whatever. They'll have their foundation. Um, Carter was out there building houses. I think that's what cool. you have him without comment. <clears throat> I think, uh, oh God, I, I've really taken a shine after reading Amity Schley's biography of Calvin Coolidge. That dude <laughs> didn't, that guy was, skin flint all the way <laughs> like how much is it gonna cost no until he got uh in the latter stage uh a little bit of corruption there but everybody ends in corruption it turns out grant also secretly uh underrated as a president by the way he uh he uh and you know um, who i find interesting and compelling is nixon um not he's like not my favorite but i find his politics to be so um weirdly complicated and idiosyncratic and yes. uh the, the more you he is complicated the more you study them, as well yeah, yeah right right no he's complicated and idiosyncratic i'm not saying he's like a source of admiration but like in terms of all of the presidents of maybe the last 50 60 years he's the one who i think thought the most about what the nature of the job is it'd be like maybe nixon and then clinton would be right underneath him and then like reagan um others just sort of like kind of came into the role carter included and just, ford similar thing not really having much of a vision of what it was nixon clearly had like thoughts uh, and that makes it makes kind of parsing through them kind of interesting that'll do it for history talk we'll see you next week on npr yeah. uh leading off this week why not uh, Rocky Romero and QT Marshall are now in the office for AEW. Rocky coming for the first time, QT Marshall returning. Uh, both will be working in uh, in coaching and developing new talent. Romero is also involved with international business partnerships, notably New Japan, where he also has a position. It's kind of odd. And uh, CMLL, Marshall's main job will be talent development and training wrestlers. Uh, QT, uh, as noted, quit due to a difference in philosophy, but he really wanted to be a wrestler. And and there's a part of me that feels really bad for him. Really does, because uh, he went out there, goes, you know what, I'm going to bet on myself, think I've gotten in pretty good shape, pretty good wrestler, done all this stuff, and nobody would book him. He did, like, an angle in AAA and a couple of indies, and nobody wanted him. And so now he's back and he's not going to be on camera. He's going to be behind the scenes teaching. And boy, that speaks to me in a way in terms of uh, certain career choices I have had to make when I wanted to perform. And they go, no, we'd like you to be a teacher still. It's like, but I want to <laughs> perform. It's like, no, you, you can teach here. <laughs> yeah, we, <laughs> we, don't, we don't see you as that guy. Um, yeah. That hurts, man. Especially when you've put the work in. Like, you know, so like I... This story also really speaks to me. I think it speaks to it, like every dude past a certain age where it's like you have that moment at some point in your life where you have that you're not that guy moment. And, oh, those hurt. Yeah. Those hurt. So especially when you've been putting in. When you're really – you've been doing the work and you find out even after all the work, like you actually tried this time and you're not that guy. That sucks. I feel bad for him. Yeah, no, that kind of came to me in stand-up. 
um, around, oh, I'd say 2006, 2007, where it's like you see this new generation coming up and like almost nobody from like my exact age, there are people like ahead of me and I guess Dave Chappelle, but Dave Chappelle started before I did even, and I started at 17, but you see the new class coming up and you're like, well, that's kind of going to be kind of it, isn't it? <laughs> kind of a thing. It's like, can't get booked as much, struggling to get as many spots on stage, new people coming back from the East coast and keeps flooding in and flooding in. And you're just like, well, I gave it a shot and it just, you just didn't get the moment. And then, and, but then you'll hear like people who succeed always go, well, you know, talent and uh, talent and perseverance always win out. It's like, no, that's not always man, true. That's I, not always th- true. Th- man, <laughs> I hate that. Success. I hate the successy. Crap. You know who says that? Successful no. people. That's the only. Right, <laughs> right. But you, you, and you know why they say it, Jeff? Because they don't want to acknowledge that luck, luck has is a, a lot big to do with effing yes. factor, yes. and you can't control it. And you can't control all you can do is set yourself in the best possible position, position to yeah. catch the luck. Yeah, yeah. But like, I, I mean, it, this is a thing that drives me crazy a lot of times when people talk about oh this that or the other. Luck is such a huge factor in so many aspects of life, uh, and. Some people just aren't lucky, and it doesn't mean that they were failures. Like, like they some were and, born and because they, like too early or too late to really capitalize yeah. on their talents, too. You know, I mean, there are people who would have. I mean, like it was weird because I thought like I have a sort of cynical, snarky, sarcastic demeanor. I thought that you know, I thought my time had come because all the snarky white guys were getting TV shows and stuff like that, and then it just turned out it became an overabundance of snark to the point where we flooded the market with it. And it was no longer cool to be snarky and disaffected and ironic and all those other things. Um, right. I, I liked QT's. I mean, look, I didn't like QTV, which to me was very much a WWE type of construct for a gimmick type of thing. But to me, he has certain, for lack of a better term, Southern wrestling uh, bona fides that I kind of always dug in terms of his storytelling and things that he wanted to do and how he built a feud and things like that. He also, unfortunately, had the uh, had the he got Wally pipped. He went on vacation. He was the he was basically TK's guy with formats for TV and things like that. Went on vacation and then they go, ah, oh, we can do the job without him. <laughs> he came back and kind of lost that kind of position there. So I mean, it's. It's a complicated business, show business at all is. But you know what? Tony Khan said that he was always welcome back after he left to pursue a career, and he was a man of his word. So good on Tony Khan for that one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I actually think QT Marshall would be perfect as, like, the Young Bucks' Kevin Dunn figure right now. <laughs> Don't encourage that. Oh, my God, no. Although I think that's going to be Cutler. Yeah, that'll probably be Cutler, but yeah, like because he's currently be... doing that on 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 uh, Elon Musk's X app, where he's talking about where he's basically saying sources say, and you know, and, and kind of being like a PR guy. But yeah, if you want to expound on that, you can. No, I, I mean, I think that's basically. Like, I mean, like the, you know, uh, that's maybe even just cut to him in the back, changing camera angles and stuff. Like he doesn't even have to be a major role. Like, yeah, it could be useful though. 
Anyways, what, what else we got? What else late, we got? The latest story regarding Vince McMahon this past week came from a sworn affidavit by Ashley Massaro, the late Ashley Massaro, that had never been released publicly by lawyers Constantine Kairos and Erica Mirabella, who worked together on the concussion lawsuit that failed. In that lawsuit, Kairos was ordered to pay $300,000 in fines for being sanctioned for his conduct in the case. It had more allegations against McMahon personally in a story in Vice by Tim Marchman. Kyra said he never released it because it had nothing to do with the concussion lawsuit, although years ago he did release the rape allegation story Massaro told regarding an apparent doctor at a military base while on a WWE military tour, which also didn't relate to the concussion lawsuit. should also be noted that Massaro, after she had given this deposition, apologized to WWE Vince McMahon, Stephanie McMahon, and Kevin Dunn and blamed Kairos for the thing she said in a later letter to WWE. But it gets more interesting after the affidavit was released, and I'll get to some of the some of the points in that afterwards. Uh, her best friend was on Ashley Banfield's show on News Nation and said that everything in the deposition was the same thing Massaro told her at the time. Basically, what happened was they went on a tour of Kuwait. Uh, she got she had a soma addiction and uh, she got uh, drugged and was raped and sodomized multiple times in a drugged up state, attempting to stay awake. She also said that Massaro told her that a WWE executive who didn't, who she didn't name, actually took her from the room in a blanket to her hotel, so the company knew about it almost immediately. She also said the rest of the crew went home, but Massaro, due to her medical condition from essentially being almost paralyzed because of being drugged, had to sit, stay by herself in Kuwait after everyone went home. She said Massaro told her she had spoken to Vince McMahon several times about the incident, corroborated the boardroom meeting where she was told not to report it, which WWE has always vehemently denied. She brought up that Vince had Stephanie talk to her as a woman to be sympathetic. And Pippi also corroborated that Massaro told Dr. Ferdinand Rios, who has said since that she, that he was told by Massaro about what happened, but then Massaro asked him to be quiet about it. Now, I was around during this time when this happened. And uh, I remember the media statement was like, uh, um, you know, Jerry McDevitt said that everyone on that tour but Maria Canales had told WWE they knew nothing about it, and he described not knowing why when WWE asked that Canales refused to say anything. At no, And this is the release. At no time was Vince McMahon or the management of WWE ever informed by Ashley Massaro or anybody else that she had been sexually assaulted, drugged, raped, or sodomized by a military doctor with a nurse standing guard while on the Goodwill tour in 2007 to U.S. military bases in Kuwait. In fact, if she ever articulated such a claim to WWE, we would have reported it immediately to the base commander. At no time was there ever a meeting with Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn, John Laurinaitis, or other company executives in which she told them of such a claim and was instructed to keep it quiet. Pippia, the friend, confirmed Massaro told her the story in 2006 when it happened, saying they told her the story had to stay under wraps. I'll let that digest for a second for you there, Chris. <laughs> uh, one thing in the uh, affidavit that that I know from from uh, from Creative Stand, here, here here's also a quote. During my time with the WWE, I had observed Vince McMahon making out with other divas in the locker room, but he never paid attention to me, and I assumed I was not his type. This changed after my Playboy cover was released. I was fortunate enough to be allowed to fly on the company jet and stay at the same hotels as the executives for a period of time so that I could get home faster to spend more time with my daughter. On one of these occasions, Vince was attempting to get me alone with him in his hotel room late at night, and I felt extraordinarily uncomfortable. He began calling the hotel room phone and my cell phone nonstop. I called Kevin Dunn to explain the situation, and he said I should tell Vince I was not feeling well and would see him on TV the next day. So I did. 
immediately after that night, Vince started writing my promos for me. Vince does not write promos for female wrestlers. That is the job of the creative department, and he certainly wouldn't have, under any normal circumstances, written a promo for me. But he did. And the promos were written with the clear intention of ruining my career. I brought the first script Vince wrote for me to the WWE in charge of creative at the time, Michael Hayes. And he says, and he said, quote, you're not saying this. Who the bleep wrote this? And I told him that Vince did. He said, well, kid, these are the breaks. Meaning that Vince wanted to end my career and destroy my reputation on my way out. He is known for this type of behavior and also did this to redacted upon her departure from WWE. In addition, after that night, each time I walked by him, he would make vulgar sexual comments that were clearly designed to make me uncomfortable. I mean, it, it that comment earlier about them uh, going, well, Ashley Massaro never came to Vince and talked about the sexual assault. Could you imagine in any context going to Vince and talking about a sexual assault and thinking that that would be the sensitive ears, uh, receptive to the situation, who's going to take the matter really seriously? With everything that we now know about Vincent Kennedy McMahon circa 15, 20 years ago, and I mean, like, we've known this down the line, too, but, like, that vintage of McMahon, 2000 to 2010, he was a monster. Uh, And there's no... You can't blame her for not going to McMahon. um, And him going scorched earth on the promos and everything is very consistent with everything else that we've heard and very consistent with the running narrative with McMahon that he has a control fetish that uh beyond the sex it's about the control it's about the humiliation it's about debasing people and you know showing that he's up here and that they're down there and that they thought they were coming up and that he had the ability to pull them up and he has the ability to push you back down I mean even the stuff about you get to stay in the corporate suites he likes doing that because he likes cutting it off. It's not like he likes doing it because he likes doing a nice thing for people. He likes doing a nice thing for people to take away the nice thing. Well, here's here's the line that I left out of the Observer story, unfortunately. And this this is going to be the big one here, I think. While Laurinaitis denied a cover-up, his lawyer did say Laurinaitis knew about it. And Dr. Rio said he spoke with Laurinaitis about it. And Laurinaitis said he was already aware. Laurinaitis' lawyer said that most upper-level management knew. Which means if the Stephanie part of the story is true, if the Laurinaitis, whatever he's going to give attorneys is true, I I don't see how any of the McMahon family are not gone from this company in terms of, and I think Triple H is probably going to get implicated here somewhere with something I, I he's th- I playing just... with fire yeah i know i i'm I, i'm the same him getting back on tv and playing and trying uncle to... paul from nxt remember me you know it's you it, it smacks it smacks of when vince tried to do this with titus o'neill and the other like like the you know welcome to the 2163rd episode of raw what that that the weird thank episode. you vince or, chant that 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 uh, thank you that vince. stephanie put out there when when the original uh allegation yeah i man i know i i I, i'm gonna be very careful here because um there was uh issues at one of my former employers 
of of someone of a similar nature and uh and and this was involving people far more powerful than me who were the victims and they went to human resources and were pretty much blown off and um and and then we're given resources works for the company yes i mean one of the one of the fundamental problems with the human resources structure is that they are not ombudsmen that stand outside of the company and observe the going-ons inside of the company that would have its own set of problems but they are instead in-house which comes with its set of problems that we all of us who have worked in a dynamic where you have a human resources department are acutely aware of which is that human resources has one set of rules for everybody underneath human resources and then for everybody above human resources they have a set of explanations Yes, there, there's a there's an internal directive and an external directive. External directive, yeah. hey, we're here for you, the employees. Come to us with problems, blah blah blah. Internal directive, protect the money. Yep. It, it's yeah. It's ah, God, this thing, this thing is going to. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's funny to me because there's so many there's so much talk on on uh, on the app you're not on anymore about how we need to keep this in the news and keep talking about keep talking about keep talking about. But you can't talk about anything new until it gets to court. Although we keep getting these types of stories all the time. <laughs> it's like, well, I guess we do have a lot we can keep talking about and keep hammering it and stuff like that. So it's one of those things where I don't have an agenda against WWE by keeping it in the news, but it's it's there and you've got to talk about it when it's there. That's that. Yeah, yeah it, certainly I'm not. There are some people who are agenda driven. Yeah, Jeff will. Jeff will vouch for me. I am not spending hours of my week digging up new WWE stories to break down Vince McMahon. That is that is not the level of preparation I am bringing to this show. Uh, I, I mean, I just think as these stories continue to manifest, and we, those of us who have done any amount of like historical back stuff, or if you've just been watching wrestling for twenty years. Uh, you, you know a certain thing about McMahon because he put so much of his pathologies on TV. And as these stories come out, you go, does this wash with the Vince that I know? Yeah, it does. Uh, all this stuff does. In uh, my last thought is I will just never, ever, ever take as a valid argument. Well, why didn't you go to human resources? I, I, like if that, if we yeah. could retire that argument in 2024, I would be so thrilled about that. Cause it's so naive. All, all it does is make the person making that argument seem like they've never actually worked a job in their life. Although I, I, the reason I added that last anecdote is I just love the absolute 180 by, by an absolute spineless shill like Hayes. I was like, who wrote this? This is the biggest piece of crap out Vince wrote. Well, eh, sorry about that, kid. You know, you know. Guess you're I done. Mean, guess you're, yeah, guess you're toast, dude. Oh, mm. <laughs> so reminds me of the one time I've met him. Um, <laughs> we won't go into that though. Uh, the Observer reporting that Tommy Dreamer is now the TNA head of creative, as many expected with Scott DeMore gone. But uh, old fightful slag our boy Sean Ross had to go. Nah, that's not true. We're told that creative is in TNA is now unchanged and features R.D. Evans, my favorite people, Hunter Johnson, Delirious. Robert Evans, not delirious necessarily, and Tommy Dreamer, and they will be supported by Gail Kim and Jorge Barboza. Ariel Schnerer is overseeing all of the content and will be working closely with new TNA president Anthony Ciccioni on all talent slash creative decisions. 
Yeah, I don't want Tommy Dreamer in charge of my creative. He has like two ideas. I'm yeah, sorry. He, has, <laughs> he has like two ideas. Yeah, no, I, 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 he's not. A committee I'll take. Like Artie Evans is one of the most creative dudes in wrestling. Always has been, always will be. Um, but like, no, like Tommy Dreamer's, I mean, if you gave him like the entire book and told him to make shows, they'd be boring as hell. Like six months of Tommy Dreamer's shows would put you to sleep. We, we, I mean, because you just, he just keep bringing it back to a hardcore match, right? Like you'd be like, feud culminates in a hardcore match. He's not going to give you like great title programs or a good, interesting faction, you know, like the week to week intrigue stuff. We have an interesting problem in wrestling and, and we knew it was coming down the pike, but it's now here in that with the exception possibly of Heyman and Levesque, I don't think Arn Anderson is backstage at AEW all that much anymore. We we haven't had guys who have been in the creative room when wrestling was hot. You know, you know how they say at the top of the mountain. We have a lot of guys who have been at the base of the mountain <laughs> in terms of creative, you know, angles and things like that. We we haven't had one that you know has really caught fire. Other than maybe, you know, this bloodline story, but it hasn't really experienced a wrestling boom of sorts. So now we have a bunch of guys who've kind of been in the minors, so to speak, trying to run these major companies. And I, I just it's there there are times where I go, I, I I wish the best for them, but there might need to be some out of the box thinking. And I don't know. I don't know if they have that. And it, it, it worries me about the business in total. But look, TV rights are going to keep wrestling on for a long, long time. I'm not worried about any company going out of business, per se. I'm just saying, in terms of a well of, you know, what was this business about, et cetera, et cetera. And look, old guys age out all the time. I get this. In every sport and everything, new things work. You get, but I'm looking for the innovators because you don't, get a lot of those in any sport slash without a long history of how do I put this cycling through guys let's put it that way yeah no I mean you you'd love to see some just like fresh writing minds uh in terms of presentation yes it's it's good it's good to have guys like a Tommy Dreamer who understand how a match flow should go but in terms of like overarching vision and vibe of the show, that could use a spruce up on both programs. On uh, all like, programs. I mean, any yeah, wrestling yeah. program is like, because like TNA has become very WWE derivative at times. Um, uh, and, and AEW is kind- sort of derivative in, a, in its own way, even though people won't say it. <laughs> it, they all look very t- mid 2000s yes uh yeah you know what i mean like it's it's kind of an old it's an old presentation style and i'm fine with wrestling always lagging a little bit behind for the sake of the video library but in terms of pacing in terms of the flow of the show uh, you know I, I i think that it really could use a fresh creative vision i think that we've talked about this in the past that would be more easily achieved for someone new coming in, if they were working with a two hour product or a one hour product versus a three hour product. Um, but regardless, I think, I think there needs to be a committee of fresh writers 
people who want to write wrestling, but maybe haven't done it before and are a little bit younger and have some ideas and veterans who know how to do a wrestling match. Yeah. So that the between the ropes still makes sense. Yeah. And those young writers can't be, you know, don't necessarily have to be drooling fanboys. Like, like they're not going to, they're not writing the please. Like the problem with McMahon is he'd have lots of young writers, but they were all writing the pop Vince type of a thing. And you, you kind of need guys with who can, you know, if they're going to get pushed back, they can push right back at them and know that they're not going to get fired type of a thing. Uh, the, the writing, the writer's room is always better when you have, you know, you, you have the guys who know things you have your joke, you know, you have guys who know story. You have guys who know joke punch up. You have that guy who's just weird and just throwing stuff out there. And you're like, what? And then you try and make it better. And it turns out to be genius. You know, writer's rooms are, are just awesome. If, the, if they're, if you're on a good program and you're flowing and you want to go into yeah, work every they, day, they, they become this big flow. If you actually, you know, you, y'all establish. And that's why Breaking creative... Bad was so good is because they had such a great writer's room in terms of people could bring in whatever. I mean, they had a bunch of playwrights in there. A lot of people hadn't done a lot of television in the past necessarily. and they But everybody kind of had ideas and nobody kind of, you know, said, well, that idea sucks without first kind of trying to get it going or whatever. Like the character of Gus Fring came from, which is one of the best characters I think ever made in television came from, Oh, this guy on our show is leaving. We need a replacement. How do we do that kind of thing? It, it, it's just, yeah, a good room is a good room. I'm sorry to have interrupted you. Go ahead. No, you're, you're not. No, 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 no offense taken. Um, I, all I would say is yeah, like star Trek, deep space nine, one of my favorite shows had a very, like they kind of had like, like a very, very tight writer's room. And that's how they were able to storyboard out so many of these great episodes and also then then as everyone starts getting kind of a hive mind for what is our product then that makes the that makes the the engine that is the writers room work that much more well i'll tie um, it into something you said earlier they you get a lot of people like uh you described nixon they start thinking about the characters a little bit more and the world and the responsibility within this world. And then they, you know, if this is true, what else type of a thing? And there's far right, more right. building type of thing in there. Once you get the flow and the hive mind and you're not scared to death that, Oh, do I need to be looking for another job right now? Type of a thing. Nor are you just pitching standoffy sort yes. of like solo episodes where it's like, well, this week, you know, I'll use Star Trek again. This week, Enterprise... Ross is out of milk and Rachel does something funny. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> right, right. right. <laughs> like you're doing these, un... like, because that type of writing's unconfident. Whereas, as you were saying, you start really thinking about what are the implications of this universe. If this is true, then this is true. Uh, and, and fully extending off of those implications. Yeah. Way more interesting. Kevin Patrick, or the former Kevin Patrick, now known as Kevin Patrick Egan, his true name, uh, announcing today, beyond excited to announce that this year I'll be lead host of MLS 360 on Apple TV. Four hours of live whip-around coverage, jumping from game to game, catching all the goals and big moments as they happen, all alongside three top pros and brilliant people. Good on you, brother. Dude, I am so happy for him. He sucked at wrestling commentary, but he was I, good at soccer, and that's where he came from. And I, you yeah, know, I, right. I and I'm so happy. Type. I'm, ha- yeah, I think he's a great host type. He's just not yeah. remotely a good fit for wrestling commentary in any way, shape, or form. But like, lovely guy. Uh, I don't wish any ill on him. I just, it, as I said at the time, and I'm not going to walk any of it back. I just, I thought he was 
quite poor at like like you know people slag on Moro Ronaldo, but like Moro Ronaldo makes Kevin Patrick you know uh or like Kevin Patrick makes Moro Ronaldo look like Vin Scully or like you know some like all all time <laughs> great yeah. Mauro Ronaldo is a great wrestling play-by-play guy. I know I people get so. done either. I Kevin so Patrick too. is a great host, host. like a panel yeah. host or something to that effect. And, you know, once you find those skills or whatever, yeah, I mean, he, he'll, so he'll be the Andrew Siciliano of MLS 360 on Apple TV. And that, that's good for him. And then and we'll end with this story, that, or, well, not end, but in terms of the stories I have. This one's interesting to me because um, – Unbeknownst to a lot of people, uh, when when TKO took over WWE, they started cutting some costs, and there there have been some senior writers and senior guy senior people in office and stuff like that who've been let go. But um, this week, Jennifer Pepperman, longtime uh, writer, uh, left of her own accord. Uh, she first joined the company in April 2017, and before making the move to WWE, she had been working as a producer and director on a number of soap operas including shows such as one life to live and as the world turns i have some questions about certain things that i will not say here but i'll talk to you about them off the air possibly chris but um from from reputation from people i've talked to um she's solid and she made a very interesting social media move today because this happened earlier this week and someone, you know, it got caught in all the uh, tabloids today for the most part. But uh, they added at her Twitter account, which she rarely uses, and goes, hey, you know what? Uh, you know, Mercedes Monet coming into AEW should come into AEW and be her head writer. And she liked the tweet. I think if Mercedes has her own Brian Gewertz and... I don't. I didn't ask because it, it's one of those things where it would be difficult for me to ask right now if Peppermint had worked on any of that golden or golden uh, was it golden role models uh, yeah. stories during the pandemic, or if she had been one of the ones behind the damage control angles or or whatever. But if if she's been writing a lot of the women's storylines in WWE of late, and I think. I think the main roster women's division in terms of having through lines and, you know, things like that. I think they've been solid for the most part. If AEW is going to poach somebody from, from a, from WWE's writing team, this would be one of those calls. I'd bring her in for an interview. I mean, there's one thing that maybe it would give me a little bit of pause here. Um, If, you hire someone like her with her background, people might start thinking that professional wrestling is just a male soap opera. <laughs> oh, you led me down that path and I was going with you the whole time. And then you pulled the rug. Oh, I hate you sometimes. <laughs> you're really good at that because, because you sound like you're going to be serious for a moment. And then you just F me. Good <laughs> Lord. <laughs> <laughs> oh okay fine we'll move on uh inju- injuries of notes because for some reason everybody's taping things which is kind of shocking to me but nevertheless uh shotzi blackheart sat the nxt tapings and she uh injured her knee it looks to be a very significant injury that'll take her out for a while uh jeff hardy on rampage which i believe just 
finished showing on TNT due to the all-star festivities. Uh, got, uh, looked like he got concussed or a broken nose from Sammy Guevara in their match. Their Nikita Lions reportedly will be out once again for a significant amount of time due to an injury. And Idris Anofe, uh got injured halfway uh, through that uh, Nathan Frazier uh, Axiom tag team match on NXT last week. Any thoughts on that before we go to the Lazy River? I don't, I mean, other than I, I didn't think what they were doing with Shotzi was particularly good. So it's probably not a bad thing that they're, you know. No, but she's the perfect gonna... person to send down to NXT occasionally as that, oh, look, a main roster person has come down here to fight somebody and, and do some things. Um, that, no, you're actually right. She really is because she can come down and have like a special gimmick match and then move on and it's no harm. She no can foul. do a hardcore match or well, she could or whatever. Uh, Nikita Lyons is interesting. I, I've heard it's either a knee or a hip. Um, it kind of brings the question. I mean, there's a lot of knee and hip injuries in that NXT women's division. And I think it's because the training right now, I mean, I'm not going to say, well, it's because they don't have any full-time female trainers. I don't know that for a fact, but they're doing the tumbling gymnastics thing. I, I was going to say, it's the style of it's the style of women's making, wrestling that they're yeah. doing right now. Yeah, no, right now it's all cartwheels and it's it's yes. flips and cartwheels and like you know gymnastics. PAs. It's gymnastics. gymnastics, right? Like, and so yeah, no, these women are probably hurting themselves because they're doing and someone all like Nikita, yeah, and someone like Nikita yeah. who is a bigger woman. Putting a lot of being told to do like yes. spin kicks, like jump spin kicks, um, yes. which granted at her both height and size are impressive looking. Is that really, I mean, it's not something you want to do every day in practice. Let's they're put not it something you want to do every day in practice. They honestly would get a lot more mileage if they came out every once in a while. Like if she only did that in a big match and that was a big spot where she took someone down, that be that would be huge. Um, uh, I, I I really think uh, I, I think all the because you saw this with Maxine Dupree too. The cartwheelie crap. Uh, her match was was just trash on Raw. Um, but that's because they make her do like handspring, elbow, twirl, jumping jack, ha. Um, and I think <laughs> ha. before yeah ha. I mean, like, before we even get to that, uh, like, let's get arm drags down. Let's get, you know, quality suplexes. Down. I'd much rather see the women delivering some stiff-looking suplexes than car. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E3 30. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E3030 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill 
in the toolbox. The UFE has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24 7 customer support, and you'll love this none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a Smart Lock 330, and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufiofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network bet mgm has an unreal deal for sports fans in maryland turn five dollars into 150 dollars instantly when you place your first wager at bet mgm simply download the bet mgm app and sign up using code old line 150 then Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. I would, yeah, I, I'd, you know, I'd much rather they be punch kick, you know, 1985 wrestlers just because that would be a style that would suit them. And then you could do like a couple of them as like the rock and roll express, you know, the acrobatic types and they'd look more impressive type of a thing. But instead we have everybody work, trying to work like a 2005 ROH indie wrestler. And I don't think the athleticism is quite there yet necessarily to do the wear and tear on it. And and also just just cart just make it look real. I mean, that's all I want out of a wrestling match instead of doing cartwheels and flips. And I'm going to do a twirl before I throw this punch. No, just throw the punch. So that's my other problem is even if they're doing topes to the outside, they still would be having a very soft looking match style. Yes, which is ironic because yeah, it's physical as we've just been discussing. Um, but you can have a physical match in the sense of. Like, it is physically demanding to do all these cartwheels and handsprings and backflips, uh, and it still looks soft as heck. Yeah, it's the old guy complaint. 
I'm an old guy. I'll take it. Uh, of, of, are you looking like you're trying to win the match or are you looking like you're trying to put on a dance show? And it's like, I just want them to try and win the match. That's all. Unless your gimmick is you're, you're showy and stuff. And then, then you can do all that stuff. Yeah. It, it's right. And, and then that stuff actually should backfire on you. Yes. The, the dazzler elbow and stuff is, should be more of a heel thing. And we should be kind of rooting for them to fail when they do their crazy or super ornate handspring ha elbow or whatever it is. And with that, we'll go to the lazy river of wrestling criticism. Whatever we watch, whatever's on our mind, uh, we'll talk about it here. For once, I have an, a New Japan note, which is very odd because I watched some New Japan last night. Uh, Chris, I'm going to let you start because a lot of my stuff is just going to be complaining and it's it's not you know it's not you know oh this was horrible it's just confusion on things that they're doing in promos and things of that nature because the wrestling's been good we talked about this pre-show but it hasn't been exciting it hasn't been heat filled it hasn't been you know there's no like menace to it it's just it's been good wrestling and that's true for WWE and AEW, and then NXT was just the drizzling craps this week. <laughs> uh, but uh, if you have a positive, please start with it, because I want to start uh, on a positive. Oh, man, that, that that you're making it tough just because, like, dude, basically, like, and you mentioned NXT, and that's kind of where I was going to start. It's just like, this was a horrible show with the, really the only, I'll, I'll start with the only bright spot on the show right now, which is, I think, Baron Corbin yes. and Braun Breaker yes. continue to find really good chemistry with one another. They like, they just have really good asshole jock energy. Oh, they're good. They're they're, they're such a good they're hoss good. team. They're Gym good class team. bullies. They're 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 what the creeds should have been if they had stayed down there and been heels. Really is what they are. Um, no, I I really like them a lot. The only thing, the only thing I can think of from NXT that's just it's. That, that Roxanne Perez, Maddie Renkowski, or Ren Sinclair bit in the locker room. I mean, the, these women in the locker room segments have to stop. Oh, they're so bad. They're horrible. They're, really... they're, they're all I women mean... hate each other out of the book of Jerry Lawler type of thing. And they're just dreadful. And God bless her. Who, this, this characterization of Roxanne Perez we still haven't gotten the full on heel turn and it's, and it's a journey and it's a journey. Nobody wants to be on because she can't adequately. <laughs> the lisp is taking me out of her hatred. Let's put it that way. I mean, and I guess since we're, since we're doing it and we're on this subject, like we discussed this a bit before the show. So I'll give the abbreviated version of this right now. Adriana Rizzo is a dreadful, dreadful character who is <laughs> not compelling in any way, shape, or form as a babyface. The only way I could really see, I, I, I hate this, we only know one accent mafioso crap that they have been doing with the family, but it, it might work if they were all heels and Adriana Rizzo's character was in like, notably good 
at pulling strings and manipulating people. And like you did entire episodes of NXT around the notion that Rizzo knows how to manipulate both the men's locker room and the women's locker room. And like, basically she plays the entire locker room like a fiddle for one episode. Like she's not even cast against, she's not even cast against type in any way. She's, she's a gun mall for the most part. You know, it's not, not, she's not the, uh, they they now found the, uh, the mafia attorney through (laughs) what's that. Yeah. Right. Now that, Luca, Luca's whatever his name or something is. like that. Yeah, I know what that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like if she was, if she was Crucifino, Crucifino, Luca Crucifino, yeah, yeah. who I like, and he's decent in his role. But like, yeah. if she was the one who came in as the hitman, if she was the heavy of the mafia, it's like now oh, we have a job we need to do. Who are we gonna uh, let's let? Uh, if, if that was her and she was a badass and she was great, then this thing would be a lot more interesting. But instead, oh she's my god, just, what uh, here different debut? Imagine if. You have Lorenzo and D'Angelo having a meeting. This is before we even know Rizzo. And D'Angelo goes, you're in over your head, Lorenzo. I'm going to call Rizzo. And if for three weeks, we see the impact of Rizzo, but we never see Rizzo. So we think Rizzo's a dude. Yeah. Like, and a big dude. And, like, other people think Rizzo's a big dude. And then all of a sudden, we see Adriana Rizzo. This also allows you, in getting her over, to do things that, like, you couldn't necessarily put on TV. Like, her, like, taking a steel chair to a dude's head or something like that. You just show the aftermath of all that and establish that she's, like, this badass. But instead, she's like, hey, what's going on, boys? How y'all doing? I'm also with you, twos. Uh, like, I it's, want the meat bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, it's, it, it's Who just... made the gravy for Sunday dinner? You know, uh... No, she's like she's like the scrappy do of this team right now, <laughs> and, and I, I think that there's a way to make it work. This isn't working at all. Uh, I, I could keep going on the family. Like the family has a gimmick. Well, that's, that's there are more interesting things to talk about than this NXT. Fair there's enough. no no more NXT talk. Uh, okay, <laughs> um, I'm gonna go to AEW Dynamite because there are some things that have been that were bugging me. Like I like. Don't get me wrong. I liked the Dax. I liked the Dax uh, John Moxley match. Yeah, but liked, but, liked but I liked it. That. I didn't love yeah, it. Yeah, I didn't it love never, it. I liked it. It never increased intensity or anything like that. But while I'm on this match, the the Blackpool Combat Club, can we get consistency from one week to the next on what these guys' motivation is and what they're doing? Because because from what I remember, Moxley said, and, and and Danielson are both, hey, if you want us to respect you, yeah, get in here and fight us and bleed with us. All right. Dax gets in the ring there, bleeds with them, and then Moxley, who is getting babyface cheers until he comes out and throws up the double deuce to people, is holding on to the choke too long. Claudio's obviously the heel. Danielson's kind of a babyface still. And, and don't give me this, this it's shades of gray stuff, and you have this kind of thing in groups and things like that. Last they week, have no coherent rule. Last they could totally week, yes. gray if they had a rule. Last week, they were the defenders of AEW from CMLL Invaders. So they were pure on baby faces last week. This week, they're heels. Yeah, I just, it's one of those, it's starting to drive me a little bit nuts because it feels like it's lazy. It feels like, well, we're just going to do whatever we want this week with them. Yeah, and, and, and like, in a way, you're kind of like letting them drive the car too, where it's like, well, Moxley and Claudio got their own ideas of what they want to do this week, so we're doing that. Yeah. Uh, I, I, I hate it. Um, they, they need to, they can be 
a bounty hunter, true neutral, gray Boba Fetty sort of faction. Yes. If they have a st- standard rule, like if you actually fight hard and bleed with us, baby face or heel, and you fight hard and you bleed with us, we will give you grudging respect. Uh, I thought that the assault on FTR in particular was just so wildly out of character with them. Um, even if they have had matches in the past or whatever, I, it just, it was so far afield from like what Blackpool combat club was supposed to be about in terms yeah. of like their values and ethics and you know that sort of stuff. Instead they're stone cold Blackpool combat club. You know, they're just like, Oh, we're going to hit the stunner on either baby faces or heels, no matter who it is after the match. You know, but even then you could you could build that ethos like we're just going to beat people up and we're going to enjoy and we're just going to be full on heels and we'll sometimes beat up heels, too. But it, it, yeah, they, they need an ethos or they need a mission yeah. statement or something. Uh, your turn, sir. Yeah, no, it's it's the lack of the the ethos that bothers me. Um, I continue to be speaking of inconsistent writing or flummoxing writing the adam page and swerve strickland thing thank you uh continues to be flummoxing on one hand um i the adam page line of don't write that i was angry i wasn't angry had the cat so good drill so good yeah Yeah, drill yeah 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 like like i have (laughs) don't write that in the newspaper that i was angry i was not angry yeah it's so good so good it's a reference that 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 i actually had to look up because i go that sounds like a drill tweet yeah it is no no that 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 was really funny um but beyond that right is swerve really a good or compelling or interesting baby face right now or just a guy with a tagline let me let me back you off right there because i have a rant in me about this Go for it. Number one, Samoa Joe, awesome. Samoa Joe was the best damn thing about this entire promo segment. Comes in, gives a promo, gets tired of these two whiny bitches, and says, I'm just going to kick both your butts, and then leaves. Phenomenal. He's my favorite guy on what, AEW right What did he say at the end? Because I remember that being very funny. It was something like... Uh, Oh, you, you think you're going to pin, uh, I'll pin you, you're going to pin him or you're going to pin him. I, screw it. I'm going to pick your, both your asses. And he left. Yeah. 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 I was trying to remember like, what is he, 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 he's great. He's, he is an absolute bright spot on the show though. He has heavy transitional champion energy. He's like yes. such a good champion. And, 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 and Paige for as much grief as we've given him over the weeks, he's playing heel here and he was very good. The problem here, and you've picked it out, is Swerve playing babyface when he's been a heel this entire time, even though the crowd's trying to turn him and he's getting cheers. And the problem with this one is this takes away, this promo took away everything we liked about Swerve as the badass, the mastermind, the guy who decided to go to Nick Wayne's house and make him bloody and stuff like that, the evil guy who'd grin you know, with, with, with the grill and everything like that. Instead, he's looking at Joe and going, well, if you see my resume, I've worked very hard and won a lot of matches. And I'd really, really like a chance to have your <laughs> match. And you're like, what is he doing here? What, 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 just be the baddest dog in the yard, Swerve. Like you've been on this entire time. Just go, Joe, 
wasn't personal before, but I would kick your ass for the title. Boom. Now I'm why, interested. Why? Don't bring out Nana. Don't bring out Nana. Yeah, Nana don't bring out not- the dancing clown. You know? It's like, yeah, just hold him back for a while. And, you know, he's dancing in the aisle. Everybody can do the dance for, for the crowd. He did this before for, him- for the matches. And then you just you just give him the arm, say, stay back. I'm going to handle this. And then he lost every bit of menace he ever had by doing this. You know, I've I've been doing this for a long time, and it, it, this was the origin story that nobody wanted. I'm I've been a pesky veteran for 14 years, up and down the roads, trying to get my chance for the world title. No, just be the badass you were when you when it's Swerve's house. You're you mm-hmm. were exactly right. This was a this was a tagline promo. He was kind of babyface promo to get to whose house. Yes. Yes, and, and all of the other in between, yeah, th- that's where he needed to get back to. It was his safety point, yes. right? All the other in between stuff was pretty weak. Because straight up, I, I I think this match actually works the best with both, as weird as it might sound, both Paige and Strickland effectively as heels, and Joe is the effective babyface. Uh, not necessarily stating it that outright, but. Don't try to turn Swerve into this good guy. Instead, it's commit the good, to the notion. The, yes, it's the, this the, guy's. This guy's a prick yes. who will do anything to get the title, up to and including breaking into Adam Page's house and, and talking to he, his child. Yes, and, and talking to his child, and that. While that would initially have been sympathetic for us, the viewers, for Adam Page, Adam Page's reaction to it is something we're not sympathetic to. And so that also makes him a heel. And have these guys both, I mean, because neither one of them are going to win the title here, right? So have some confidence in your story here. Give a good reason up front why neither one of them should. Swerve shouldn't win it because he's been trying to do this shit the wrong way. Yes. That, 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 yeah, okay, right now he's like, I have a dream, blah, 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 blah. But like, while he's been pursuing that dream, he's been willing to stab everybody in the neck and karma should finally come for him. Meanwhile, Adam Page also should not be champion. And you tell that story too that this guy, yeah, he was champion, but his, he didn't have his head straight right now. He's completely lost the thread. And, and, and that, and that he's gonna, he's unfocused. That he doesn't know who he is. He's having an identity crisis. And Samoa Joe should be, for both of these men, the moment of realization that they're not that guy right now. Um, and Samoa Joe should put them on both handily. But have confidence, and, and he probably will end up winning this match. But have, it'd be dumber to belt swerve. This is the moment in both heroes' journey where they fail. Yeah. And they have and they to go. And they, and they, and have they to, should and fail. They should fail, and they have, then they have to go and they have to reassess how they're doing things and then page page is on the on the on the dark path and yep. swerve has kind of been on the light path okay yeah. fine type of a thing right. and then you have he the duality of that. yes yes swerve has to realize that he needs to not have nana and the mogul embassy but like essentially this needs to be both of these guys lose to vader moment yes in empire strikes back and swerve goes from the dark side to the light side and page breaks bad. Yes. No, you're exactly simple, right. It's a simple story. Uh, and it, in a way, having them both get so hung up on each other, that might've actually been a very good go home promo where Samoa Joe goes, I'm going to tell you why you guys are both about to lose. 
You're both about to lose because you're so busy looking at each other that you don't even have your eyes on the prize right now. And that's it. Like it, 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 but that should have been right before. Like you, if this is a story where it's fine to tell the ending up front because it's a morality play. Yeah. Uh, and there's a good guy and a bad guy, and we're gonna tell a moral story. Or this is this is also. I mean, this is the end of the good, the bad, the ugly. This is. I mean, and 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 Clint Eastwood wasn't necessarily good. <laughs> that he was kind of a jerk. I mean, he was using uh, Tuco to 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 do whatever, and then Angel Eyes is the is the is the bad guy, and then you know, and 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 Tuco is kind of the Weasley dude within <clears throat> within this whole three thing. But you know, and that final shootout, they're all looking at each other, going, "Who am I going to shoot? Who am I going to shoot? Who am I going to shoot?" And then you get the end. But yeah, uh, your turn, sir. Uh was swerve was swerve not me? oh was swerve you okay so uh, okay good because i got another rant in me here we go let's go darby allen uh this promo stunk i'm gonna say it i i we just set up last week that the young bucks the evps came out there and beat him bloody and are wearing his blood on their suits to wrestle which is a cool heel move don't get me uh, wrong i like that I'm liking, I'm liking the direction the Bucks have gone. They haven't gone heavy enough into the like. I love Taz saying he got fined on commentary for giving that terrible idea. I mean, called the EVP trigger, or or what, or no, the EVP Bucks or whatever he gave the name for, and and then almost doing the thing to Shivani would have been cool too because I'm all for beating up occasionally beating up an announcer for heat, but Darby comes out here, and instead of being pissed. And instead of saying, you want this title shot, whatever, I'll give it to you, whatever. They go, they he does another one of these. He goes in the office politics promo, Chris. When this company was being formed, you hired all your friends from California to be in here. All right. Some of us know that. Some of us know that they that that the Bucks were hiring people from from who worked in PWG with them and who were and who were Just on the West you Coast. Imagine and, saying this shit to somebody who is literally wearing your blood on their suit. Yes, like exactly. I, I, I like I like. Well, I walk into a room and I look at these two guys who beat me to smithereens and are wearing my blood. They hit me with on a their bat. clothing. They hit me with uh, a yes. baseball bat, and they're in the using head. it as a totem. And I'm staring at my own blood. And then I go, well, what you need to remember, Philip and Paul, is that when America was first founded in 1776, (laughs) like, going to give them a history lesson, you friggin' nerd? Yeah, and it's like, oh, but there was one vice president who believed in me. Guess who that vice president was, Chris? Cody Rhodes. It was Cody Rhodes, and they shot a Cody chant in the middle of an AEW show. (laughs) What are we doing? It's just such a, all you need to do, stop with the backstage meta crap. You know why they do it though, Jeff? You know why they, they do, do it? it? To piss me off. And no, they, they, and that's part, that's part, it, 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 right. They, they, no, no, here's the real reason they do it. They think they do it to trigger us, right? The reason they really do it is because they don't have a really good universe to fall back on. Yeah. So in absence of good writing, they appeal to the, the dirt clever. sheets. Clever is the enemy of good. And they're and yes. this is clever. And and it's like it's it's their clever way of avoiding good writing. Yeah, I just and they they've been hiring people to help with the writing, which is who who is not 
I, I, I tend to think people are being left to their own devices for the creative and, and nobody wants to say no. But we need to say no to some of these ideas. Darby should not be giving a crap about who has who has the bigger corner office on the 33rd floor of AEW Enterprises, Inc. He should be wanting Darby to kill these should, people. He should have shown up with the contract in his pocket, ambushed the young bucks, bloodied them, and signed the contract in their blood. Yes. That is the appropriate reaction for what was done to him and what they want. They want a title match so bad, he's going to sign it in their blood. Yeah, and and for the for the for the part of the match, uh the Young Bucks versus uh Top Flight, they got a If you're going to do that kind of match, you need cuz Top Flight's like number 3 in their rankings or whatever, and this is to establish that the Bucks have now beaten a top 5 team and they can get in their thing. Top Flight should have had a lot more close calls in that, and I mean super close calls to the point where the Bucks don't know have any idea what's going on. Then you give the nut shot. And then you walk over because that's heat right there. They just kick them in the balls after getting absolutely murder death by top flight instead of just, oh, here's a dive. Here's this. No, top flight should have ran them out of this building almost to the point where we have to kick them in the nuts now. And now we're going to win. And now we're going to call ourselves number one contenders. That's the heat right there, kids. <laughs> Not they we're having a good match with them and then we cheat to win and we've cheated these fans out of a four star special. No, just have Top Flight almost think because nobody ever thought Top Flight was gonna win. You have to convince people that Top Flight might have won this match and then oh no, what are the Bucks gonna do type of a thing. And I don't think they went heavy uh, enough I, into that. Yeah, no, I, I know that that's an, another mistake on that, right? I I liked the moment where Matt Jackson goes, oh, man, these guys are good. Yeah. It, 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 it was a great, like, in-ring piece of dialogue business at the wrong time and for the wrong story. Um, I actually thought he did a really great job with that, though. Uh, I, so, look, I'm throwing some flowers at Matt Jackson. Look at me. Uh, it's New Year, Jeff. New Year, new no. Oh, no, I threw some flowers. I mean, I'm, 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 yeah, yeah. I love the blood on the suit thing, and the, they haven't changed yeah. their suits yet. I thought that was a strong No, I, 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 I agree. I agree. Like, the, the, they're doing That's some good a character work. jerk move, and I, I but, approve of it. But I would have had – I mean, I, especially if you are ultimately going to end this story with Matt and Nick beating Sting and Darby – um, and getting the belts off of them because I, I, mean, I guess maybe maybe Sting and Darby retire as champions or whatever. But like, I would have had Top Flight taking ninety percent of this match, yeah, and the tables only turning when Nick finally cheats. That's what like, I was like, saying. Like, That's what I just said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. Like, you know, that, that I, I agree. Okay, I good. Agree. <laughs> yeah, it's your turn, sir. Um, you know, uh. Let's let's go to the main event here. Orange Cassidy versus Ma versus Matt Taven. Um, if you had to describe to me Matt Taven's character, in I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for three sentences. Explain to me and like give me three. You know, like not Matt is human. He is bad. No, I, is, I I can give you this. yeah yeah yeah. Okay, give me give me Matt Taven. Um. Tag team partner of Mike Bennett, apparently a former ROH world champion, 
guy who held the giraffe. How's that? That's 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 kind of what I got too. So like <laughs> he has no real personality. No. So you have you put this guy into a main event. A main event that is a foregone conclusion main event, no less. Where also we firmly and reasonably and get outside interference. We expect it, we get it. Uh I don't understand why Matt Taven was tapped for a main event match other than the fact that Orange Cassidy is having a match against Roddy Strong. That does not give anywhere near enough of a reason to have Matt Taven have a main event match with Orange Cassidy, It was let due alone to, it was a called, hardcore. It was due to the attack on Chucky e. T last right. week. I know, but but I, I just I mean I, I'm with you. I'm with you on raise this, it. Raise continue. the stakes at the raise the stakes on the match against Roddy. Yeah, uh, you know, yeah. Don't don't do this. This this gives Orange Cassidy stupid baby face syndrome. He is doing a plunder match weeks before a title match. But but you know uh, what all this someone... was, don't you? This was all just just smoke and mirrors to getting to another another inch of Trent being closer to a heel turn. I mean, there's that, <laughs> but it's the stupid baby face syndrome of, yeah, of, of Trent, yeah, Trent Turner came out with a pipe wait. and just got bodied. I just yeah. <laughs> laughed my ass off at that. Uh, but like, why would Orange Cassidy be so stupid as to accept a stipulation that's no disqualification? Yes. Knowing full well that he's going up against a heel faction stable. Uh, with one ally potentially like, like if you're gonna do that you have your insurance policies it should have been uh should have been well, what's his name and a bunch of other people i'll too. push back a little on that because the insurance policies were oh look there's the there's the box of chocolates from chuck et you know with the with the uh with the uh uh with the thumbtacks in it that that right. was that was the way but, they 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 kind of went. Oh yeah, that's how they they got around that. It's not it's not a smart way to do it, but they did it. No, I, I mean no, but you need human being insurance policies yes, I for agree. other human for human. Where was Wardlow during this thing where he could just right killed them. right? No, I, I th- this was a dumb this was a dumb match because you have to move a lot of pieces around to even make this match not make Orange Cassie look stupid. Uh, and then after you move all those pieces around, what are we treated to a match between orange Cassidy and Matt Taven that nobody wanted. So like, I, I don't think that this was a, it should have just been a no stipulation, basic singles match where an orange Cassidy prevails over Matt Taven. And then we have the interstitial at the end. I thought this was a very silly usage of the main event slot on this episode of dynamite. I watched a silly match last night. I, I watched uh, from uh, New Beginning in Osaka. I watched this, uh, what was basically New Japan's version of a War Games match between United Empire and uh, the War Dogs. I will say this on the positive side. It was it was a um, interesting and and brave experiment to do this kind of match in New Japan. Now what they do is they only have one ring. Uh they they have the, the 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 cage is not up on the apron. The cage is like around ringside, like about it's about eight foot tall. It's about the same size as the top 
of the ring, but it but it's like you have the mats around the ring, and then you have the cage on the outside of that. It looks like an octagon almost, you know, for for UFC type of thing, but with a wrestling ring in it. You don't have a door on the cage. It's just kind of open air. People can walk into it. Uh, still, they, they got to the same rules of the war games. Um, you know, five minutes start, but they got to that because it was originally going to be two minutes for each person. And But it's like, no, I want you for 10 minutes. No, no, I'll give you five. Okay, great. Okay, so we get to that part of, of the war games. And it's it, and then it becomes a plunder indie match where guys bringing in weapons down there and stuff like that. It was interesting, but you can't do this kind of bloodthirsty, maniacal type of match. And they they worked it. I mean, it was a little indie riffic, but there were there were things that were southern style in there where it looked like they were trying to fight and have a fight inside of it. And it was kind of cool but this Japanese audience is so quiet and polite. There's no heat to it. And it's so quiet while you're doing this, you know, when you watch those first war games, you know, those first four or five war games, this crowd is, are, are the Romans, you know, looking for the blood of the Christians in, in the Colosseum, you know, they're, they're screaming for absolute death. The heat is on a level in Japan. It's, Oh, <laughs> like a clap or something. And you're just like, we can't have these types of matches in an actual Japanese <laughs> style. Of yeah, thing. It, it, the, 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 the cadence of the audience simply doesn't work for no. it. Uh, that that audience is actually really awesome for main event style matches. Yes, I think like yeah, like those type of audiences are are really awesome for because when they build to a crescendo, like like I remember like you know the Okada Tanahashi matches were like when they finally build to a crescendo for Okada and it's like Okada okada but like even the back and back like, punch uh having the emphasis on the yeah. last syllable there just i mean it's a different energy and i think it really lends to main event um but plunder matches are all about ah this is gonna go off now, they're yeah. fireworks shows you actually know so where it would work in oz it would work it in all, all japan like in, maybe even all japan early 90s type of style where you had brody and Hanson and guys swinging chains around and Abdul the butcher would come in and, you know, all those other guys. But, but yeah, the, the difference between an all Japan hoss fight crowd and a new Japan, very quiet, very, you know, serene type of thing. Yeah. It, it, I, I, I think it's just a location thing. It was a noble, brave experiment. I thought, um, I still want a war games with a roof on the cage again. Uh, I, th- I think the claustrophobia adds to it, even though you can't do as many aerial stupid moves. I mean, it'll look like a real fight, but uh, no, nah, watch that. I mean, it's it's worth your time to seek out if if you, it, I mean, especially if you like New Japan. It's it, it's as it's as gory a fight you'll see in New Japan as you you'll see you know in the last five or six years, in my opinion. But uh, yeah, so so I watched that. Do you have anything else? Um, in terms of the show uh, shows here, uh. I've said nothing about Man, Raw or SmackDown. If you want, to I know I, I was, I, you know, I watched SmackDown, but that was like on Friday, and then I had to shovel yeah. snow for like. And we're waiting for hours. SmackDown to come on now, so we only have Raw, and all we had was Seth going, "I'll be your shield." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all right, fine. I, 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 I mean, I continue to. True. <laughs> I, I, I continue to not enjoy the Rock, Cody, Seth, Roman, like they, it's particularly Seth's part in it is so uh 
bad. Yes. But yeah, uh, you know, Raw, it feels like, I mean, we're very much just on the holding pattern to, uh, to Elimination Chamber here. And that's not terrible. I mean, it's not even terrible to have Drew McIntyre as like the fait accompli of the guy who's going to win the Elimination Chamber. Um, I, but the, the actual show this week was really nothing to write home about. Da, Imperium and, the, and uh, Jey Uso and the New Day, entertaining. Fun. Enter- fun fu- match. Fun. Fun match. Uh, like they're, they're, I mean, they're good. They're, they're, they're an entertaining group. Uh, all, all six of them. But it's um, just one of those things know. where you kind of want to see Imperium take that next step to being, you know, a, a main event heel group as opposed to Gunther with two red shirts. And you never get that. And I've wanted that ever since they were in, uh, uh, NXT. You know, there's just like, there's, it, it's weird. There's like no place for him to go. It feels like it really. I know they're, they've got Drew, they've got Drew and uh, Seth for Mania, but to me, the much more interesting thing would be title versus title, intercontinental title versus world title at Ooh, WrestleMania between I like Gunther that. and yeah. Seth. I, yeah, I agree. I, I do, but uh, we gotta get we gotta get uh, we gotta get Drew on the upper part of the card there, and and, and, and he's doing great work. Like yes. to be clear, I. Drew, Drew, we both love up. him. We will think big he's thumbs amazing. up for Drew. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be, Drew, this Drew, the bee's knees. But if you're asking me, what I think would kind of maybe do more business, like in terms of what would help set up Gunther for next year here and kind of help him move to the next level, especially if you're taking the belt off of Roman and putting it on Cody, you need that new top heel. Gunther beating Seth at Mania as Cody beats Roman at Mania is a really good setup for that 2025. You want to hear something cringeworthy? Let me let me yeah. find uh, Dwayne's tweet here, because it, it's just this is what we're gonna get tonight on uh, on uh, on SmackDown. Where is it? Uh, breaking WWE social records, having fun, just getting started. I'll slap your punk ass ten more times for the culture, and you'll do nothing and like it. Tune in tonight on SmackDown. Oh my God! It's a hello, fellow kids, with Steve no, Buscemi. No, 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 no. You, using for the culture there, in that context, it it's like a total non sequitur, it, it, it's a hilarious deployment of that there. Like, like yes, he doesn't that, actually know what he doesn't really know what for the culture means. I don't feel like. <laughs> I could get, I, I'm gonna get in trouble if I go deeper. I can't. I, I cannot can't. imagine that he thinks that Cody Rhodes needs to be slapped for the for Black History Month. For, for Black History. <laughs> do, you, do you know that Cody's married to a black woman and is half Cuban? Because he said that in a promo once. <laughs> he be cured racism. What are you gonna do to him? <laughs> I, I, I. There's just there's, there's just any number of. Uh, 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 well, it's so cringe. Just... Dwayne Johnson is certainly back in wrestling, people. Yes, and we'll end it there. This has been Shake Them Ropes. You can follow me at Crap Game Thirteen on Elon Musk's X slash Twitter. You can follow Chris at uh, D O C T O R underscore N O V on Instagram. Just follow the show. I update that account at Shake Them Ropes on the aforementioned X when shows come out. We are part of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network, podcasting for all your. Uh, Wrestling needs, fandoms, obsessions, etc. Five star match game, good, bad, the hungry, the gentleman's wrestling podcast, and of course the flagship with Joe and Rich. 
Uh, I do a show called The Dynamite Show about 20 minutes after Dynamite is cut off the air on the Fight Game Media Network. I believe it's youtube.com slash Fight Game Media. We go live there, drops in your podcatchers the next morning. Myself and Paul Fontaine do a thorough, thorough, thorough deconstruction of that night's Dynamite. A lot of the notes of which I bring onto this show, but I'd appreciate you watching. Chris has a lot of other things, uh, including cat wrangling and guitar lessons. He's going to tell you about now. Yeah. Yeah, follow me on Instagram if you want to uh, see my adventures on top of Sandia Peak. Uh, if you want guitar lessons, message me on Instagram. Uh, you can occasionally see pictures of my cats, food I cook, uh, things I write in strangers' notebooks. All <laughs> sorts of exciting things can be found what? on Instagram. Strangers' uh, notebooks? Yeah, yeah, this uh, this this guy who's like I guess traveling across the country or whatever like came up to me oh. uh, yesterday while I was doing bookkeeping stuff uh, at, at like uh, differential and having hot chocolate, and he was like, "Hey, will you write something in my travel log?" And I was like, "Yes," and so I wrote something in his travel log <laughs> and I took a picture of it and posted it. We'll see you next week. Music. It's not just part of our daily lives; it's part of our wrestling fandom as well, and it has been for decades. That's where this show comes in, Music of the Mat, the podcast devoted exclusively to the music of pro wrestling, hosted by Andrew Rich. Hey, that's me. Each episode delivers a different topic with a variety of great guests, fun conversations, musical analysis, and of course, a heartfelt pun or two. New episodes drop every other Tuesday on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your podcast app of choice. Check out Music of the Mat only on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network.